Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Thursday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO on the FM dial 106.3. Welcome to the program this morning. Busy, busy program. A lot of guests coming up. We're going to recap. Well, let's get the BMW guest list right away. We will recap signing day with both Iowa and Iowa State and do so with the help of our friends at 24-7 Sports. Uh, David Eichold covers the Hawkeyes. Uh, Michael Swain covers the Cyclones, 1020 and 1030. We'll put those two in the same segment. And then Lee Sterling is back with us. Lee hasn't been with us since the championship week of college football, right? Sounds about right, yeah. Took the NFL playoffs off, at least uh, with uh, appearing with us, but he'll be back uh, in his spot about 1045, 1050-ish today, ParamountSports.com. As we warned you yesterday, if you're not a Chiefs fan, you're not going to like the 11 o'clock hour, but if you are, you're in. Adam Teicher from ESPN. He's covered the Chiefs for decades. Uh, Teicher will join us to kick off the second hour. And then, if that's not enough on the Chiefs, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, who bumped up a day due to their travel schedule. Uh, the Chiefs I'm referring to, and apparently the uh, the radio broadcast team. I don't know if they're going to be on the team plane. They might be on the plane with the barber, although I'm not sure he's got uh, he's going to have a seat on that plane. Yeah, he's out. Right. We talked about this on Monday. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It took 48 hours for the story to really take off the way that it did. And maybe it was the fact that unbeknownst to, at least the beginning of the story, we knew about the two and, and why they were... You know, in the COVID protocol, but there was twenty guys that were in the waiting room. You know, can you imagine if next and Patrick Mahomes would have gotten right, the chair? Right. Uh, yeesh, I was close. And um, uh, the center Kilgore, did you see the picture he put of himself on Twitter with the half-shaved head? That was priceless. I mean, talk about making the uh, light of a of a bad, potentially bad story. That was funny. Let's say Patrick Mahomes was amongst the two. Conspiracy theory saunas here. <laughs> All right, let's see how big my tin foil uh, hat no, is. No, I know where you're going, Trent. You wouldn't be the first one to think this. So go ahead and finish your point. I think it's a I think it's legit. If he was one of those two players, a mm-hmm. is this a story? Is it just continued testing? Oh, I see. Does it even come out? I thought you were going in an entirely different direction. I thought you might be pushing back the Super Bowl a week. No, no. Well, which you know what? You're talking about Patrick Mahomes here. I don't think they do that. I don't think that they do. Chad Henney, you're up. Yeah, exactly. Well, look, it it worked before. It did. Uh, Does lightning strike twice? I would bet against that. Um, And how quickly that So would it even been a story? But would have been a story. Does it get out? Does it get to the Adam Schefters of the world, the Adam Teichers of the world? Well, it depends. Does the the bar, the lady that works in the liquor store, (laughs) does she still have her contact? What story did she break? The Patrick Mahomes contract, right? Yeah, the contract extension for Mahomes. Because Because they went and bought a champagne. Yes, that's it. That's right. That was awesome. That was awesome. And then Schefter, uh, you know, uh, acknowledging that, mm-hmm. that that she was first to have the story. Giving credit. Something yeah. ESPN's not always been great That's at. That's very true. But he's not a competitor. Right. You know? You know who's really good at giving credit? Baseball writers. The national baseball writers, whatever their outlet is, John Heyman first. 
so-and-so first on the story, mm-hmm. regardless of who it is, they always circle around and give credit to whoever was the first one to break. I, I don't think that happens universally uh, through in, in sports media. But the baseball media, they do it, and good for them for doing so. Uh, so that's the guest list here today. We'll talk about signing day for both Iowa and Iowa State. Lee Sterling, and then a lot on the Kansas City Chiefs. So last night, kind of a meh, uh, TCU Oklahoma State. I watched some of it. I was more into a hockey game last night for the first time, just sitting back and watching the Flyers and the Bruins. And it turned out to be a pretty good hockey game on uh, NBCSN. Did we talk about this? That that network is going away. Yes, USA is going to get Ooh. the not even the scraps. That's going to become, I think, very similar to what TNT is with NBA basketball. Okay. USA is going to become that So not a full-time the... outlet, just right. when they have something to put on there. Um, yeah, that would make sense. But, I mean, is, is this a pandemic-related move? Is this finances? I saw there was a whole bunch of people walk the plank north of the border in our industry. Oh, yeah. Hundreds. Oh, wow. Hundreds yesterday, or a couple of days ago, anyways. Um I don't know if it, if, uh, but I thought that was a pretty big story that maybe deserved a little bit more attention. John O'Rand was all over it, and we'll see what happens uh, to that. Because I watch a lot of stuff on it. You do, you know, you're the one. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I like hockey, yeah, and um, I like horse racing. <laughs> yep, and they covered the Triple Crown uh, pretty well over there. What else do I watch over there? Maybe not. There's a car show that's always on that just makes you pissed off that you don't live in that world where you could bid <laughs> on. What is it when you bid on those cars? Have you seen? Do you know what I'm? No, I have no to? idea. Some kind of auction. Oh, I don't know what the name of the company. That auctions all these muscle cars and just just beautiful cars. I mean, my first car, I uh-huh. had a 1969 Firebird convertible. Really? Hello, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, the, and, and my car, my old car, not the necessarily the same one, obviously, but my model's been on there. And that's kind of what they... Oh, that's on Meacham, maybe? Meacham okay. auction? I don't know. You're Anyways. speaking a different language than I speak. Right. Well, I'm going to guess watch... my first car was not on there. A 1985 Crown Victoria. No. An old no. sheriff's car. No. From Worth not. County. Four door. Yeah, yeah. Did, did it still have the partition between the front and the back no. seat? <laughs> no, they, they took, took that, that out. out. Yeah. That they thing have the, sucked. The, the slot for the, the radio. Got a solid seven miles to the gallon in town. Maybe nine on the highway. <laughs> Charlie struck a chord with the car auction. Uh, Apparently. Phone lines are jammed up. Maybe we're not on the air or something. Anyways, uh, we will be on the air. Hopefully, we'll get into a lot of the signing day. Look, it really doesn't move my needle, per se. Um, I, I we, we just don't follow it. and like it, it, You just don't. I mean, some things have to give, right? And there's certainly a huge industry for doing just that. Uh, but there's been some good stories that have come out of it. And obviously, the one that... Um, uh, took place yesterday. The kid that's going to uh, sign signed on the dotted line. The kid from North Hilson is his last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael F- Freud, Mark Freud, Mark Freud. Yeah. Why can't I ever say? I have his no name? idea. I don't know. I struggle with his last. He's good. Um, and he did a piece on on Hilson signing day mm-hmm. at North. I, I'm guessing this is an event. Well, I know it's an event that doesn't happen each year. Hard not to root for this kid now. Oh, no doubt. Right? And the goodwill created a guy that was only able to play two games his senior year. Yeah, right, before it shut down. Before. And then he and then he was one of the um, principals behind that seven-on-seven. Seven. Remember when the yes. city schools came together? I remember it well. Went out there for the event. Yeah, you did, too. That's yeah. right. 
went out there. I remember before, before a Friday night football game. Yes, that you covered. yeah, they did that afternoon, uh, like three thirty something like that. So I uh, came back here in the afternoon one day, leading up to it, and him and a couple other of the players from uh, different city schools mm-hmm. were on Murph and Andy. And so I had a chance just to meet them oh, very quickly as they were yep. coming out of the building after their interview. And just an incredible young man. Yeah. Very easy to root for. No, I'm with you. And those kind of stories. Think of the story, too, from Freud. Des Moines North hasn't had a Power 5 football player in over 40 years. That's crazy. Well, did you see the picture? And we missed out with the freeze yesterday, by the way. I was pissed off at myself. when I, I guess I'm, I don't cover recruiting, mm-hmm. so signing day never popped into my head. His kids signed yesterday. Oh, right, yeah. With him. Yeah. <laughs> and we had the freeze on yesterday. Never mentioned a word. <laughs> I was I was disappointed that uh, that it got by me. Anyways, not that big of a deal. Uh, but we will talk recruiting. And again, I'm I'm openly going to root for uh, Devin Hilson mm-hmm. uh, to make an impact at the University of Iowa. Great story. The North Polar Bears uh, sending a kid uh, to the University of Iowa. His mom was interviewed in the piece. It was really well done. Really well done uh, by Channel 13. All right. So what else from yesterday? Not a lot of college basketball going on. Tucker signed back in the November signing. Oh, he did. I thought yeah. yes. That was basketball. The early signing. Period. Oh, okay. This is a football football, football only. Okay. Yep. So all those kids yesterday at Waukee were signing football scholarships. Well, some of them had their actual signing day ceremonies, even if they had signed back in November or whatever it is. Oh, okay. So they kind of all put I them gotcha. together on one day. I mean, there was spread out social distancing. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's the gym at Waukee. Trent, there had to be I don't know, 15 of them. That's yeah, crazy, isn't it? Jesus. In North, <laughs> they had to scramble and put something together. Mm-hmm. They're not a lot of experience. Good, good story. Really good story. All right, we've got a big game tonight in state, Ohio State and Iowa 7v8. Uh, this one's going to be, well, it's got a chance. Um, for whatever reason, at least for me, and I'm anxious to, to pick your brain on this, of all the Big Ten schools that have, um, they're contenders, and they mm-hmm. really are. Uh, Ohio State's one of these teams that I don't remember watching a whole bunch of this season. I have. Good. And they're built pretty much differently than any other Big Ten team you're going to see, at least in this upper level. When you talk about the top eight, ten teams, whatever it is, mm-hmm. they're built differently. I I still wonder what they would look like with DJ Carton. Yeah. If he right. would have stuck around. Right, and right. Where did he go? He's at Marquette. Marquette, right? Yeah. yeah and he's, yeah. he's playing okay. Is Marquette, he? very inconsistent this year with Woj up there, but... Mm-hmm. He's playing all right. Good. Not maybe at the levels people anticipated. But you know, he came in uh with a couple other point guards. Liddell's the big guy, no, if you he's will. Good. But he's not him. he's six seven. Yeah. And Washington. Yes. Those are the two guys. Oh, and Arns, who's been there forever. Well, let's be honest. Arns is not a good basketball player, except <laughs> when he plays Iowa. When he plays Iowa. Yeah. He has the honorary Charles Bugs scholarship. <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> Just a guy that was Garbage, uh-huh. except Iowa. And you look at Arns' numbers, too. He, let's be frank. He's a bad basketball player, a uh-huh. bad collegiate basketball player, except when he sees the black and gold. Yeah. So find him tonight. He'll probably hit 6 so, so, So what do you make about this of, of this Buckeyes team? They're going to go fast. Mm-hmm. This game is going to be Score a lot lightning of quick, yeah. up and down. Yeah. Fun. Not a lot of defense by the sounds of no. things? No. Okay. This defense is going optional. to be okay. one of the most fun games. This is also an opportunity I think for Luca, he's still putting up points, but he hasn't had one of those breakthroughs. This could be one of those breakthroughs where he goes for 36 wow. and 12. He just a monster performance. I really could see that. And certainly 
his disappointment of what happened Tuesday in a 27-12 and 12 yeah, effort. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's going to be at the forefront of things. First one to 90? First one oh, to 100? Okay. I, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic here. What is the total on the game? You've obviously looked. If you've I have it. not, actually, now that you speak that, because, you know, I'm not a big player. No, you're not a big totals guy. No, you're not. Uh, ESPN has the game at 6 o'clock, of course, if you can't be in front of your TV down the hall on News Radio 1040 WHO. But I got to assume, at least I'm fingers crossed, that it's Benetti and, uh, and Dockage. I mean, I think that's those two together, um, I think they're really good. Jason Benetti call anything. Yes. Jason Benetti is one of those guys, you, you, the proverbial read a phone book and you're going to listen uh, to him. But him but him and Dockage have a little chemistry. Or maybe Hummel. I'd sign for Hummel, too. Uh, Bartlett, by the way, a couple of callers said that was the name of the car. Uh, that what we, is it? Bartlett. Bartlett is it Bartlett. Yeah, maybe it's Bartlett. I, there was a couple I, of guys that said okay. that's what it was yep. that you're looking for. The total in tonight's Buckeye-Hawkeye game. One fifty-seven and a half. Ooh, Trent, sounds like you got some work to do during the break. I guess so. I'm going to be unfurling on that one, and uh, we'll bring up the game notes here. We'll see who we get on the call this evening. Big ESPN and watching college basketball last night. Watching Sports Center last night. They're building this thing up. Are they're, this game tonight? They have. T- they talked about it a lot. They. Yeah. Talk, I mean, it's very rarely in the night. A college basketball show or ESPN that they're previewing a game for tomorrow. Especially Super Bowl week. Yes. They were talking about this game. They were breaking it down, talking to a, do- a couple of different guys. So we'll get, how about this? Won't be the team you're hoping All for. Right. I think I got a pretty good consolation prize All though right, for Lay you. it on me. Dan Schulman and oh, Jay Billis. Ding, ding, ding. Are you all right now? No, absolutely. Though that's probably oh, my favorite. Thank goodness. Yeah, Schumann no is outstanding. And I like Dockage when he's not calling the game. When he's not calling an Iowa yeah, game. Yeah. Uh, story. A couple of stories that uh, that I was unaware of, and one in particular, uh, the, the the photographer for Murbendale, the guy that shot the Chiefs for decades, a photographer, and and some really some photos that we've seen over the years. And I think that that was another Channel 13. I believe it was that, um, well, they're after it. Is this a ratings period in TV? It might be, yeah. I wonder if it is. Because I saw that, um, oh, God. uh, Dan. Winters? Dan Winters, thank you. Um, He's got some big investigative piece. So that normally when you have those, it's a a sweeps period on TV. I know very little about it, but... um, yeah, this this photographer is a pretty cool story. We're going to try and reach out to him. If if none of the others, not this week, mm-hmm. but sometime when he gets back, because that's it's incredible access. I mean, he's got a press pass around his neck, and he's on he's on the sidelines <laughs> for all of these things. And he's from Urbandale, and he's been doing it for decades. For crying out loud, there's a pretty vivid picture of Patrick Holmes. I'm sure a lot of people have come one. across. Yeah, and he was the one that yeah. took that picture of him hollering right after. I, not even sure when it was, but it's something you'll see. A, I think it's a lot. relatively recent that yes. picture that we're referring to. But I don't know, you know, if it, it became part of a wire story and it just is kind of mm-hmm. snowballed from there. Whatever it is, and yeah, maybe we can find out about that in the future. Absolutely. Well, he'll be there this weekend, and hopefully, we'll have uh, an opportunity to speak with him uh, next week. Next week, we're going to have Nate Bolton on. Uh, Nate and uh, Brad Zahn are behind mm-hmm. the name, image, and likeness bill that went forward or is going forward. So we'll get Nate in here. It's just, just a busy week to you know to try and squeeze anything else in. And we got a really busy show today. Two stories I want to get to late today. 
First, all the D3 Winter Sports Championships being yeah, canceled. Yeah, I saw you two. What were you doing up at 2 in the morning, by the way? I, Jack? I, yeah, yeah. I, I got problems. And uh-huh. I was working on my both gambling and investments. So. <laughs> well, I saw you. I, Sleep I for the week. And, I logged on, at, I don't know, just before 6 o'clock. And yeah. I saw four hours before I logged on, you were tweeting. <laughs> I was tweeting. I figured. Also yeah. getting some late night workouts in, trying to lose some LBs. At what time? Uh, eleven. I finished at about 11.45. And then, and had then you go to the fridge to and grab a beer? No, no, absolutely not. No, no, shut it down after that. Well, what are you trying? How many are you trying to lose? 20. Are you really? Yeah, is that and realistic? So when did you start? A uh, week and a half ago, something like that. And have you jumped on the scale? I haven't yet. Yeah, it's get probably a, a good idea. Yeah, get away to give it some wait time. a few weeks. Yep. All right, uh, we're going to make you wait no longer for another $1,000 slam dunk. Text the keyword BANK to 200-200 right now. It's your chance. Add $1,000 BANK to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, we will talk Iowa and Iowa State signing day. We'll get into some uh, hoops as well with our friends from 24-7 Sports. Miller and Condon with you until noon on 1460 KXNO and 1- Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. Going to do some recruiting news with Iowa and Iowa State 247 Sports. HawkeyeInsider.com uh, is where we'll hear from David Eicholt momentarily. Just got a uh, word from uh, Mike Mahon, old habits die hard, uh, former SID mm-hmm. Drake, still feeds me stuff, <laughs> uh, which is great. It uh, is. Because he's been gone since 2008-9 season, right around that time. Drake Loyola, mm-hmm. that massive two-game set at the Knapp Center, the game on Saturday, the 13th, which was originally scheduled to be 5 o'clock, has been moved to 11 a.m. ESPN2. Oh, there you go. How about that little nugget? We Lead wondered the, if there would be some TV yes. on that, and uh, the four-letter network realizes the potential importance of that two-game set. And The first one will be on ESPN2. Uh, that's Saturday the 13th at the Knapp Center, 11 a.m. on the deuce. Well, let's get to our friend David Eicholt. He covers Iowa for 24-7 sports, HawkeyeInsider.com. Massive basketball game tonight. And, of course, uh, the recruiting for the final signing uh, day yesterday. David, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on KXNO in Des Moines. How you been? Hey, I've been good, man. Appreciate you guys having me back on. No, happy to have you back on. We're grateful that you're uh, willing to do so. So let's talk basketball just for a minute here and now because uh, uh, tonight, and then we'll get into what transpired yesterday. I know Ferentz had a uh, a lengthy press conference, and we'll pick your brain on that. Uh, here comes Ohio State on the heels of Michigan State. Uh, what do you what do you anticipate first of all on C.J. Frederick, who at least from my two eyes watching on TV was limited when he tried to go against Sparty. What do you? anticipate out of him tonight yeah you know i'd be surprised if dj plays i think it's going to be a very you know tough call for fran and company to make but just with the way he was moving around on tuesday and the way he was kind of sitting on the bench i don't know if you could see on television he was kind of working out uh his foot on the sidelines and i i'd be surprised just based off what i saw with my own eyes on tuesday night if he does play and i think that fran and the you know the team realize that they're going to need him in march i think he's going to be one of the biggest gamers that Iowa's going to need if they want to make a run in March. And I've said all along, I think this team is much more built uh, 
for the NCAA tournament than the Big Ten tournament because I think if Iowa is healthy, I think it's going to be a difficult matchup for any team to try to cover Iowa's offense and Luka Garza on a short scout. I see it the same way, and that short scout is certainly very important. It's not so much the case for Ohio State. They've had a little bit more time to prepare since their Sunday game against Michigan State. This quick turnaround for the Hawkeyes, though, just a day in between. How does that impact the game and the game plan going into a top-10 matchup with Ohio State? I think it makes it tough because I think Ohio State's one of the more uniquely built teams in the conference. Mm-hmm. E.J. Liddell is probably one of my favorite mm-hmm. players to watch in the country. Undersized four. Very quick, explosive, can hit the mid-range jumper. I'm very curious how Fran and company try to try to defend him. And I think Dwayne Washington can get as hot as any player in the Big Ten as well. Leads the Big Ten in three-point uh, three-pointers, two point seven per game. But he's been cold the last three games, and probably not something Iowa fans wanted to hear because we've seen all too long that uh, you know players find a way to get it going uh, against Iowa, especially from deep. So. I think it's going to be more so just diving in the scouting report and trusting that, you know, Iowa's talent and the offensive uh, capability can kind of carry them through this game. But I think Ohio State's got a great offense. I don't think they have much of a defense. Uh, so I, I think that this game's going to probably be over 160 or whatever it is. I think each team's going to go in the mid-80s. Uh, interesting. My my partner Trent Condon felt the same way. We were just on the app trying to figure out the uh, the total in the game. And uh, if you're right, that uh, would fly over that total. Well, one thing that was very apparent against Michigan State, and I'm anxious to see to, to get your opinion on whether we'll see uh, a repeat of that. Was uh, look, Iowa really struggled on the offensive boards. Michigan State just uh, they killed them. Second chance points. Uh, look, there was a lot of positives. Clearly, Iowa's bench was one, but there were sequences where. Uh, uh, Luke at 6'11", and Nunji at 6'10", and Patrick McCaffrey at 6'9", are all underneath the basket, and here comes a Spartan, and there he goes with the basketball, with the with the rebound. Uh, that had to be, uh, get McCaffrey, I would say, not maybe not hot under the collar, but certainly something that he has brought up. It's interesting, too, when you look at the stats about Iowa. They're, I believe they're number one in rebounding margin. They're number one in offensive boards, but they're actually number seven in defensive rebounding. Uh, so this has been a weakness for this team all season long. I think back to the game against Southern, I think that they out-rebounded Iowa by four. They had, I think, 15 or 16 offensive uh, you know, offensive boards. So I think Iowa's defensive rebounding, if they're not going to get stops, they got to get defensive. Re- you know, they got to take advantage of these misses. They can't allow these second-chance points. And I think that's one of the, you know, the weak points of this team. It's not even just the defense, but it's the rebounding. And if you're not going to play defense, you have to be able to win all the 50-50 balls. So... I'd be surprised, you know, knowing Luka Garza's intensity, I think we're seeing Jack Nunji play some of the best basketball of his career. I'd be surprised if Iowa didn't attack the glass with a little bit more uh, nastiness and tenacity tonight. But Ohio State, I think, is just such a well-rounded basketball team. They're not going to just lay over, lay over and die. So it's going to be, I think, one of the more interesting and probably one of the more fun matchups this Big Ten season. So a couple of signees for football February signing day. So much different than it once was with this early December period. But we've heard the stories here in Central Iowa, obviously, about Devin Hilson and what a story it is, the young man from Des Moines North. Hilson a little bit more, though, on the other signee, a highly regarded center prospect coming in, Michael Lelinski. Yeah, so, yeah, Ms. Linsky, I think, was such a massive addition to this team. I think Iowa's offensive line, I think it's probably one of the top two recruiting classes in the country as far as offensive linemen go. I think that Michael Mislinski is the Tyler Linderbaum heir. I think he's such, mm-hmm. he just, his nastiness, his explosive uh, just ability, I think his strength 
I think, you know, coming to Iowa, learning under Tyler Linderbaum is going to be huge. Yeah. Uh, his dad was actually a, the strength coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, so he's got football's been in his blood. And I think that just getting down south, being able to grab a guy uh, from the Tampa area, I think it's massive. And I would be incredibly surprised if he is not Iowa's next starting center uh, after Tyler Linderbaum, whenever he decides to go go the NFL. I'm a huge fan of this guy. I'd put him as a four-star. I think he's that good, and I'd be very surprised if he does not make almost an immediate impact when he gets on campus. Interesting. What about the grad transfer uh, from you and I, uh, Williams, who I, I would anticipate – well, like this is a secondary that there's a lot of guys coming back. Uh, what's his role going to be? Do you think? Yeah, I think that's the big question mark. Uh, all five of Iowa secondary guys are coming back. I was a bit surprised to see Matt Hankins come back. I really thought he was going to go to the NFL. I think he made a smart business decision, though. I think he can increase his stock. So I'll tell you what. You talk about having an open quarterback competition. I think there's hmm. an open competition that secondary because I'll tell you. A grad transfer, an FCS All-American, did not come to Iowa to sit on the bench. Right. So I think Riley Moss, Matt Hankins uh, will need to try to cling on to those spots. But I think Xavier Williams, he can play He can play in the secondary. He can play safety. He can play corner. Probably one of the more versatile weapons that uh, Phil Parker will have at his disposal. And I think that he's probably going to be one of the best athletes in that secondary. David, a quick look ahead to next year's recruiting class. It feels like usually Iowa's already got some guys in the fold, but with this pandemic, guys not being able to make campus visits and the like, A what 22 in general is going to look like, and then coupled with where Iowa's going to be as they go out there and make their recruiting pitch. Yeah, you know, I think the biggest detriment to Iowa is just they haven't been able to get kids on campus. There's always those perceptions. I think Iowa's trying to lock down the in-state guys. You think about um, Xavier Nuwankpa from Southeast Polk, who's going to have the entire world after him. Mm-hmm. They already have Aaron Graves from Southeast Valley. He's a high four-star by 24-7 sports. He's a tremendous talent. I'm very excited uh, to watch him, what he can do in his career at Iowa. But I think once the dead period is over, there's going to be a quiet period starting April 15th. So they'll be able to have some face-to-face contact. And I think once that happens, uh, I, I think we'll see an uptick. I think Iowa's been very cautious about who they offer right now just because they haven't been able to have any live evaluations. As, as you guys well know, as, as well as I do, they, uh, they're very picky about who they decide to offer. They aren't just you know, shelling out offers left and right. So I think they're taking a more cautious approach in 2022. Uh, your colleague Michael Swain and I will start com- uh, State coming up here momentarily. David, i got two more quick ones for you. Uh, I want Go back to the open quarterback competition. Is it legitimately going to be? It sounded like, you know, Ferentz has uh, sounded like he, he was willing to annoy Petrus as the leader in the clubhouse, if you will. Uh, and then uh, spring football, we, we heard the dates. Not going to be a lot of opportunities for the public, which is certainly understandable with what we're going through, uh, but the order, uh, open quarterback competition, will that actually uh, come to fruition? You know, some people think so. I don't think so. I think Spencer Petrus is without a doubt the starting quarterback. You know, I've been on this beat since 2018, but I followed Kirk Ferentz closely, and my translation of, of his coach talk was, if you want the job, go and take it from Spencer. Mm. I think that Alex Padilla has shown some nice things. Obviously, everybody's ready to see Deuce Hogan take over as a starter. But I think that they will give plenty of opportunities to the backup uh, quarterbacks to be able to go in and try to take the job from Spencer Petrus. But if Spencer Petrus isn't a starter week one, I will be absolutely floored. I think that Petrus ended his uh, season on a high note, and I think that that carries a lot of weight uh, with Kirk and the fact that they didn't even have spring football last year. David, thank you for doing this for us. We look forward to catching up with you again. Appreciate it. 
Hey, thanks, guys. Take care. Yeah, good to talk to you, David Eichholt from uh, 24-7 Sports. Of course, he covers the Hawkeyes. And let's go to the Cyclones, shall we? Michael Swain joins us, 24-7 Sports. Um, Michael, great to speak with you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, basketball, before we get into uh, what we signing day from yesterday, uh, this team needs a payoff. <laughs> I think everybody feels that way. Uh, for the first time in maybe a couple of games, it looked as though they were actually having fun on the floor, which you can't... Uh, you can't say it's been the case uh, over the, uh, recently. Um, they were close. I mean, they've, both of the games against West Virginia uh, could have gone their way. They didn't. I get there's no moral victories, but it was good to see that the team was playing with a pulse. 100%. I think when you maybe put that game, compare it to the Mississippi State game this Saturday prior, I mean, it really did look like an entirely different team. That Mississippi State game was just so, I guess, off-brand for this Iowa State team at points this season because I think the thing you could say about this team is that, hey, they've been really competitive in some games. You mentioned the West Virginia game. Um, they've been competitive in some of these games, but there's just these you know five, six-minute stretches where they kind of fall apart, and then it creates this big gap, and they're not able to kind of get back into these games. And I think for Iowa State, you know, you got to get over the hump of one of these games just because I think Steve Brum said it. You know, when you get in such these close positions, it just sucks because you're a team that's looking to get your first conference win. You have a good performance from someone like Jaden Walker, you know, a true freshman. Um, you get Solomon Young back. You get all these guys back, and you're so close to kind of getting over that hump. And to not be able to do it, it's got to be just a little bit, not demoralizing, but it's got to hurt. Mm-hmm. And then you look forward at kind of the upcoming schedule. We've got a really tough road game at Oklahoma State. And really just the Big 12 slate in general is just really tough. So I think, you know, you mentioned it, you know, no moral victories, but – I think you got to be at least encouraged of the step forward that they took compared to where they were against Mississippi State on Saturday. Let's jump into football recruiting and an exciting time and some new names coming in. I guess the headliner of the late recruiting class is the running back, Eli Sanders, young man that was committed to Boise, gets that connection continuing out on the West Coast for Iowa State. Fill us in a little bit more about Sanders and his visit with, what, the Applebee's that had his name up there? He got a kick out of that, I remember. That's good. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, that's just recruiting at its finest right there. You know, you got to find creative ways to connect with these recruits because they can't go into facilities. They can't see any of these coaches face to face because it's a dead period. It's a really tough time for these high school, you know, young men to have to make these decisions because it is so tough. You're committing to places that you haven't seen before, states you haven't even been to before. Um, and I think for Iowa State, I think they did a really good job of making Ames feel like home. You know, he had Dodge Saucer. Um, one of the current signees with him, kind of lead him around Ames a little bit. But I think he's someone that's going to bring, you know, kind of like a Ken Nwongu-esque speed to that running back room. Um, we just posted a story earlier this morning kind of going over some superlatives for this class. And one of the things I wrote about Eli Sanders was I think he's probably the fastest guy that Iowa State has in his class. Wow. Um, of course, camps didn't happen over the summer, but I'd be really interested to see what his 40 time would be. Just because on film he has this acceleration and this burst that, you know, he puts one foot in the ground and goes, and there's not many people that are able to catch up to him. So I think he's a really good pickup for Iowa State and someone that, given the way the attrition has happened in that running back room this offseason, I think he could get some snaps this season as kind of that number three running back. Interesting. Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. Well, tell us about Ashton Cook. Marv Cook's kid is going to walk on at Iowa State. Uh, he's a lefty. Uh, what are the chances for Ashton Cook uh, to eventually become uh, Iowa State's starting quarterback? What do you know about him? 
Yeah, I'm not sure about necessarily a long-term being the starter just because you look at the quarterback room right now. You have Hunter Deckers, Aiden Bauman, two guys that were really highly touted recruits. But I think this is an incredible pickup as a walk-on. I, I can't rave about this kid enough in terms of being a walk-on at Iowa State. He's someone that I think was being evaluated as a possible scholarship player at points during his kind of recruitment and high school career. So to get him coming in as a walk-on I think is massive. And I think he's going to replace – um, Larson, who was a walk-on quarterback out of Arizona, who decided to go into the transfer portal. So I think he's going to help really elevate kind of the floor of this quarterback room. Of course, you know, injuries happen in college football. Things happen. And to be able to have a walk-on of this caliber on your roster in case things do go sideways, I think that's really big. And he's someone that I think, you know, if he develops and kind of continues to go on this upward trend, he's someone that could even, I think, in the long term, maybe end up with a scholarship a la Rory Walling, where he comes in, really grinds okay. for a couple years, um, and maybe he ends up being a scholarship player down the road. Um, he, I think he's certainly a great pickup as a walk-on. Tell us a little bit more about Tyler Morrow, guy from eastern Iowa, had offers across the country, Oregon, Stanford, Syracuse, TCU, Nebraska, had his pick, though not the in-state Hawkeyes offering, kind of interesting for an offensive lineman. What you know with him, and is this going to be another one? Big things are expected maybe early in his career up front. Definitely. I think he's one that I, I kind of tabbed as probably one of the biggest recruiting wins of the cycle up there with Eli Sanders, just because, I mean, you look at a guy that's got over 35 offers, offers to play at Oregon, Oklahoma State, TCU, UCLA, just so many of these high-quality programs across the country that Iowa State was able to keep them home. You know, I think that's a big thing is being able to keep the talent that's in the state of Iowa in the state of Iowa. And, of course, if you, I know Iowa didn't offer, but to keep him away from Iowa, that has been an offensive line factory as of late. I think that's really big. And he's someone that, you know, I think you look at his frame at six foot seven. he's someone that really has a lot of high-end potential at the tackle position. And you're looking at now all of a sudden where, you know, over the last couple of cycles, you've got a, a Jake Remsburg at tackle right now in the program who's got a really high ceiling. You've got now Tyler Morrow, someone else who can really have a high ceiling. So I think he's a really big pickup for Iowa State, and I think he's one of those guys that, you know, I think down the road we could look at as being one of those really big recruiting wins that could help elevate the offensive line, which in turn will help elevate the offense to even higher levels. Michael Swain, CycloneAlert.com, 24-7 sports. Uh, Michael, last thing for me, um, when, you, when you go back to December and now to yesterday's signing day, was there a position uh, perhaps that Iowa State – um, you know, not maybe not swung and missed, but is there a position that uh, they would have liked to have seen maybe a couple more kids at X position? If so, what would that be? I think maybe quarterback, just with the way that tra- the Charles Wright situation played out, where he commits in kind of in February, early on in the process, he gets flipped late on um, to Texas, and he ends up signing with Texas. And I think that they were looking at maybe adding another quarterback. That didn't end up happening. Of course, the eligibility rule that allows everyone to come back, you know, kind of makes the staff feel pretty comfortable kind of rolling with the same uh, quarterback room in back-to-back years. But I think the thing has been that this staff kind of wants to bring in a quarterback every cycle and not to be able to do that this cycle when you had one committed, I think would be maybe the closest thing to a swing and miss, if you will. But I think outside of that, I think really they really did well hitting on kind of all the other position groups, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, any any news on spring football, uh, when they will start and when they will try and uh, finish it up by? Nothing yet. We haven't gotten any clarity in terms okay. of the spring football schedule yet, but I'm hoping we should get that here uh, pretty soon now that students are back on campus. Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. Michael, you did a good job. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Yep, thank you. Appreciate you guys. Good to talk to you, Michael Swain.
24-7 Sports. Good to pick those two fellas' brains, two young kids. Not kids, but uh, two youngsters in the business for the most part, right? Absolutely. Good guys and uh, certainly know the business better than we know the recruiting business. For sure. I do a lot of high school sports, but it is difficult for me to tell the difference between a guy that, oh yeah, he's D1 and Mm -hmm. you know what? He's on the fringes. He's he's more of a basketball, a mid-major type of talent. And a lot of these guys look really, really good. And just the difference, getting those offers. You know, the Morrow thing is weird. He's from Davenport. Yeah. He's got offers from who's who of college football. Right. But Iowa didn't offer. That's strange. We that know is... they look for something very specific on their mm-hmm. offensive linemen, and, and I guess that was the reason there. Mm-hmm. But then Cook, Marv Cook's yeah, son. I know it. And not taking a scholarship when he didn't have one from Iowa. But he had, but he had. Uh, what Northern Iowa was after mm-hmm. him? Western. Uh, there's a couple of schools, but some SES schools where uh-huh. there would be scholarship money. Yeah. Now, I'm going to guess Marv probably doing okay. I would like to think so. Yeah, but the opportunity. I'm sure he could have walked on at Iowa if he wanted to. Right? Yeah. You would anticipate. Yeah. He's got the right last name. But he's going to Iowa State. Uh, Michael brought up uh, Jake Remsbrook. He Mm -hmm. was one of the stories of the year for me. When when he got his opportunity to go, he didn't look out of place at all. Do you remember him? Yes, I do. Do Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Big dude that could Uh really move. And and that was always the thing. His athleticism showed up at Valley for me when I'd watch him play. Again, those offensive linemen, though, you look and you see Valley or Dowling, they got... 280 pounders across the line. Right. They all look pretty good to me. Right. The difference and how you scout that and how, how you do that at the high school level. Yeah. It's incredible. It really is. Uh, we'll take a time out. We will get uh, with Lee Sterling coming up. ParamountSports.com. He's a sports handicapper. He's with us uh, every Thursday uh, beginning around Labor Day and uh, right through the end of the college football season and then pops back on on a couple of days prior to the Super Bowl. He will be with us next. Miller and Condon are on 1460 KXNO and Segment of the first hour of the program. A lot of Kansas City Chiefs talk coming up. Adam Teicher from ESPN and Mitch Holt is the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, both of them scheduled in hour number two. Right now, our friend Lee Sterling back with us for the final time until next fall when he returns. March Madness, you think we could sneak him in? Well, let's ask him. Yeah, put him on the spot. How are you, Lee Sterling? Great, considering. In, in, in June and July, I'm not going to lie to you, I told my wife, I said, we may not have a season, and if I can't do radio shows, and I can't. I can't watch football. I said I'm getting in the car with my golf clubs, and I'm heading to my place in Utah, and I'm going to play golf along the way, and I'll see you in about uh, six to eight weeks. So, I'm very thankful that we got we made it through the season. No yeah. question about it, uh, Lee. I want to get in some of the props, some of the player props, etc. Uh, not the game per se, uh, but just you, what are you telling your clients as far as the point spread? Guys that want to, you know, they're a little antsy that they want to, they want to get down as regardless, forty eight hours, whatever before the game. What are you advising? Will there be movement, Lee? Or are you going to tell them to sit tight? I don't think there's going to be much movement. I mean, you know, it started off at three and a half, and then since that time, you know, what have we seen? Well, we've seen it, it moved. Right now, for a couple of days, he was sitting at Kansas City minus three, minus one twenty, and Tampa Bay plus three at even money. But it's moved slightly, slightly down because of a little 
bit of action, a little more action on Tampa Bay. So now Kansas City is down to minus three, minus one fifteen. If you like them, if you like Tampa Bay, it's plus three, plus one hundred five. It, it's not coming off the three. It will definitely. I mean, if anything goes up to three and a half, but it's not going to go down to mm. to two and a half. The books offshore Vegas and different states, they just can't take the chance of allowing people to bet uh, Tampa Bay plus three and Kansas City minus two and a half. I mean, if if that happens and they get middled, <laughs> it'll be ugly. Um, there's been two ties uh, in the point spread. The Rams Super Bowl, where they beat Tennessee, and it started seven and pretty much stayed solid seven. And then the other New England Green Bay Super Bowl, where Green Bay won, and uh, that was 14 and just stood there on 14. So I think it's going to be pretty solid on three. Three is the number. Lee Sterling joining us. So not just the game, though. It's the prop bets. That's what makes Super Bowl betting kind of what it is and different than any other sporting event, really, of the season. How do you tackle it, Lee? What, what do you do? Is it identifying a certain player going in? Is it looking at your numbers? How do you get into, with so many props available, what do you start at? Where's your starting point? Okay, so what I did was I looked at the last eight games. I, I watched tape of every game of the two teams, the last eight games, and then especially, obviously, the game in Week 12 where they played each other. And Kansas City was up 17 nothing, and they won the game easy. I mean, it was almost 24 nothing, yep. except for that strip sack uh, by Jason Pierre-Paul, which goes by JPP. But um, So I looked at the individual matchups and what – each team was trying to do, and Kansas City was the better team. Make no mistake about it. But generally, when they play a second time, things started to even up. I mean, remember the New York Giants Super Bowl where they ended up after losing in the regular season final to the Patriots? You know, they pull off the stunner. I, I, it's going to be tough for, for Tampa Bay to win this game. But let me give you a couple player props if you're looking at this game that you can tie into the game and the way I think it's going to go. So I think for Kansas City to be successful, I think Travis Kelsey's the guy. Mm-hmm. And his receiving yards is an astronomical 100.5 receiving yards. Why is it that high? Well, they're smart. And if you watch the Tampa Bay linebackers on tape, they're really good at blitzing, and they're really good at making tackles in space. But they can't cover... <laughs> for a hill of beans. So um, very poor in coverage. So I think Travis Kelsey is going to have a huge game. I think Sammy Watkins mm. over the first reception, over 10.5 receiving yards. If you remember what he did in the playoffs last year, well, he caught 14 for 288, averaged 20.6 yards per reception. He will play in this game. I think he will be a big part in this game. Whenever you forget about him, he has big games. And then also I like him over 32.5 receiving yards. On the other side, I like Tom Brady under 39.5 pass attempts. The first game, they were behind. They had to throw the ball. He still only threw 41 passes. They ran the ball just 13 times. I think they're going to try to run the ball early and often and have balance. When they have balance... Tom Brady throws between 29 and 35 passes. So I like the under there. I like Ronald uh, Jones over 10 receiving yards. Remember, Tom Brady loves to throw the ball to backs. Who's caught the most uh, balls of any running back? Well, James White from Tom Brady. So I like Ronald Jones over 10 yards. He can get that in one reception. 
I also like him over 37.5 rushing yards. Uh, he's finally 100%. I think he'll, he could have a big game. And um, probably Mike Evans also over 4.5 receptions. He's almost unguardable. And then I'm going to give you two MVP long shots. I just don't think you can bet Tom Brady Can't. Patrick Mahomes. I agree. I mean, it's unbettable. Yep. So you want to take a shot and you want to join me in the Bahamas and <laughs> the next time that, that we're seen or heard from again um, would be JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, 66-1. to Remember, he has 11.5 sacks this year, 9.5 last year and just 10 games. He's already won a Super Bowl. He's not going to get caught up in the moment. Let's say he has two or three sacks and he's going up against two backup tackles or maybe a strip sack and a fumble uh, a fumble return for a touchdown. He could win it. Also, Daniel Sorensen for Kansas City. Five interceptions the last two years. Everyone's going to play the honey badger, but uh, Daniel Sorensen likes to cut in front of routes and take a shot there. If he picks off a pass for a touchdown, remember, Four of the last 20 Super Bowl MVPs have been defensive players. Those are two guys I like. Hmm. Well, here's the other news uh, that, that's in your favor. JPP is going to be going up against Mike Remmers. The last time yeah. Mike Remmers was in a Super Bowl, he went up against a fellow by the name of Von Miller, who ate his lunch in Super Bowl 50 <laughs> and was anointed the MVP of the Super Bowl. So maybe right. lightning can strike twice there. Just, just real quick on this, Lee. Yep. There, there's, there's props out there, and I think that they're a real sucker play. I'm anxious to get your opinion. First score of the game. Well, who's going to win the coin flip, right? Yeah, who's yeah. going to get the ball first? What, what, when people want to bet that, what do you tell them? Are, are, are wagers okay. similar to that? Okay, so I bet a total of one uh, coin flip, and I bet it for $50, which isn't much to me. But um, I won it, and I vowed I'll never play it again. Right. So I'm 1-0 and in coin flips. I rarely play first touchdowns. Right. I think it's a total, you know, Start toss, uh-huh. and a lot of these others, you know, if you are going to play some of the things like, will they show, like when they used to have uh, Peyton Manning playing again, will they show his brother? You know, the over-under is one and a half. Right. On those type of bets, will they show Tom Brady's wife? So a bunch of, will they show her? Usually go under, believe it or not. And if you want to have fun, have fun with some prop bets. You, know, you guys have dogs? No. No. No dogs? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, it's the year of the dog, you know, because of the pandemic. People need a best friend. Uh, You know, we can't see as many people in person. So how about this? How many commercials will have dogs in it? Over-unders, four and a half. I love the over. (laughs) You love the over. I have a dog, and my dog barks at every single – my dog is is, – well, everyone thinks their dog's the smartest, but my dog has memorized – Every commercial that has a dog in it, he can hear the first two words of the starting jingle to the commercial, and he can be in the other room he runs in. So we have to hit mute as soon as we're watching a show if it's live. So it's going way over four and a half. The the odds on that is minus 250. And I do love the national anthem. So I have a daughter who sings national anthems, and she studied it. And I don't know if you know this, Jasmine Sullivan, who's an R&B artist, was interviewed on CBS Sunday Morning. She's doing it with Eric Church. First time since 2006 when Aaron Neville and Aretha Franklin did it. And she said, this is a moment of unity. And uh, my daughter studied both of their voices, and she said both 
are very well trained. They um, can hit the high notes. They really have no range, and they 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 uh, they have great breast support, whatever that means. So she's picked the last six straight. She's go going for seven straight. We're going over two minutes. She thinks it's going to be between 210 and 215. I got the over at 158 and a half. I'm feeling good nope. about that one, Lee. And it's not just these fun prop bets. Of course, there's the big game. People want to get involved with you at Paramount Sports. Where can they go, Lee? Just go to the website, ParamountSports.com. Uh, since the start of the college bowl season, we're, we've won 26 of 35 games in the football wow. We've won seven of the last ten Super Bowls. How about this? Normally, when you buy the Super Bowl, it's $97. One week, all-access pass. Get the Super Bowl, top ten prop plays, my UFC selections on Saturday, college basketball, NBA, and also the hockey. We were 35-21 to start the year off our first season selling hockey. One week, all-access pass. ParamountSports.com or 800-400-9741. Let's... Let's circle back uh, right before the March Madness. Look forward okay, to it. Guys. Thanks, Lee. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Appreciate it. Thanks, Good to guys. talk to you. Hour two coming up next. Miller and Condon, 1460 and 106.3 FM.